0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. It's been a week since we talked Giants football with you. There's some things we got on the burner coming. We're gonna have draft profiles on the way. We're gonna do a long breakdown similar to the one we did on Barkley about Jones. That's not today. Today, what we wanted to do was give an update on what we've been hearing lately. A lot of reports on the Daniel Jones contract negotiations, and a lot of reports on the Saquon Barkley contract negotiations. So we're gonna talk through all of those. Also, touching a little bit on a report that came out today that showed the Giants have heavy interest in quarterback Hendon Hooker, the rookie entering this draft class out of Tennessee. So we're going to discuss those topics, see where we go from there and spitball off of that. But of course, Nick, let's start with the main thing here, which is the recent reporting on Daniel Jones. The report from Mike Florio suggests that he is seeking, quote unquote, $45 million per year on the new contract. That would put him right along the lines of the contract Kyler Murray signed. Recently, I believe that was last off season for Kyler Murray over a year, about a year ago, and 5 million more per year than the one Dak Prescott signed, which I believe is he makes 40 million uh, AAV Dak Prescott. So that's the report from Florio. At the same time, report came out the same day from Paul Schwartz, who's covered the Giants for a while in the New York Post. And he suggests that the ballpark we should be thinking about is 190 million over five years, which would be 38 AAV. Now, if that's the ballpark the Giants are thinking about, because you assume that the Paul Schwartz report is coming from the Giants side. This is the connection I'm making, Nick. And the Florio report is coming from the agent side. That's what they would want. And they want to float that number. Somewhere in between is probably where the Giants will ultimately land on if they sign Daniel Jones, would be my guess. Maybe forty million per year or forty one or forty two million per year, potentially for Daniel Jones. Um And, you know, Nick, the last factor in in this is not the report, but and we're going to touch on all these individually, but is the fact that Daniel Jones has switched agencies and he now has new representation than he had at the beginning of these contract negotiations. So where do you want to start here, Nick, on your thoughts coming back from? I know you were away for the week uh, in Washington, D.C., and then you come back and you hear all of this.
2: Yeah, I was away touring Washington, D.C., but more so the Civil War battlefields that surrounds them. I'm a big Civil War guy, so it was really fun. And I wasn't really on Twitter all that much, so apologies if I didn't get back to anybody. But then I looked down at my phone, and I see Daniel Jones, $45 million a year, and I go, wow, that escalated quickly because we were discussing a $35 million ballpark range, maybe a little bit north of that, just a couple weeks ago. And to me, damn, $45 million is wild. I did not anticipate that number to even be thrown out there. I don't know how much we can read into Florio's report, but it does seem like it's trending more towards that north of Dak Prescott number, which is at 40 million, as you said. And to me, that is is quite a sum of money for Daniel Jones, who I really like, who I do appreciate, but I'm not certain as of right now that that would be a wise investment.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I think as far as do we trust the report coming from Mike Florio, given his kind of like checkered background of reporting, not always right. Um, Some of these things have been wrong. Again, I feel like it's one thing that we should consider through all this, the contract negotiations, Nick, is it reminds me of, though it's not the same, but it reminds me of draft season where there's some reports that are fake, some reports that are real, but a lot of nonsense floating around at all times. And in this scenario, I think that report by Florio is accurate because I think he heard from the agency side, the new agency side, obviously, he's represented, like I said, by a new agency. I think he heard that that's what they're seeking. It could be very well true that the new agency representing Daniel Jones seeking $45 million per year. Why would this make sense? Well, if you think about it from the standpoint you said, Nick, it doesn't make much sense. But from the standpoint of an agent, right, if you're making a pitch to a player like Daniel Jones to have him go through the entire process of ditching his current agency and picking up new representation, your pitch has to involve, we're going to get you a lot of money, right? The ideal here is the idea here is not like Daniel Jones needs to consider what he's worth right now, or like Daniel Jones needs to be realistic about it, or something like, you know, Daniel Jones should take a discount to sign with the giants. That's not what any of these guys should do. What they should do is be represented by an agency. Have that agency try to get as much money as possible for the player. Like they've obviously made the pitch to Jones. In this case, maybe it's 45 million. That's not going to be what I think the Giants settle on, but that's probably the pitch. And then try to secure that money for the player. They should not worry about the salary cap, the player. That's not their worry. Then the Giants, on the other hand, or whoever the team is, has to then decide if that is a wise investment. But that's not up to, you know, there's no, like, there shouldn't be accounting for the salary cap. So it doesn't surprise me that they could be seeking that, especially since he's now represented by a new agency, because the agency needs to try to get their player the best possible deal here. Now, I think it's really interesting, Nick, what Connor Hughes said. And Connor Hughes said, point blank from what I'm hearing, the Giants are not going to pay Daniel Jones $45 million per year. So he says, and this is a quote from Connor Hughes, who uh, I think recently started covering the Giants, used to cover the Jets, but now he's more on the Giants, said he said someone close to Daniel Daniel Jones is going to have to sit him down and help him understand what might be actually best for him is not taking the most money. What are your thoughts on that statement? Because I think that statement suggests what's best for him is to take a little bit less and then have himself back in a situation that gives him the best chance to succeed. So I think no matter how you look at this thing, Nick, The Giants give Daniel Jones, the player, the best chance for him to reach his potential.
2: That's where I'm at. I think the best situation for Daniel Jones is to be reunited with Joe Shane and Brian Dable on an amicable basis. And I don't think $45 million, I don't think that's something that Joe Shane really wants to do right now or the New York Giants may seriously entertain. I don't know, Dan. I don't think it's the best for the New York Giants to to be giving that type of money out to Daniel Jones at at this point of his career. And I'm curious, man, I kind of want to circle back to something. I want to could transitioning from CAA, I think was the name of the agency that he used yeah. to be with to Athletes First, could that be because CAA wanted too much and Daniel Jones wasn't necessarily saying, "Hey, I want less money, but he was like, "I want to work with the New York Giants. I want to return to the New York Giants and and you're not making that easy for me. Could that be an avenue that is the reason why Daniel Jones ended up actually transitioning away. Because I haven't heard the reason why. We're all just assuming that he wants more money. Maybe he's going at it like, I want to do what's best for my future. My best future is here in New York with the Giants. And I want to get paid what I deserve. But at the same time, I'm not going to demand $46 million per year.
1: It's possible, Nick. I think both are possible. One, one that he would be leaving his first agency, going to the next one, because the next one, in this case, Athletes First, has pitched, we're going to get you the most money possible. We're going to get you the best deal possible. And what they could also pitch is, look who we have. We've got Todd France on our staff, right? He's a super agent, Todd France, and he also represents Dak Prescott, right? So he says maybe, take a look at what I did with Dak Prescott. Take a look at the contract I got for Dak. Come over here. We'll get you something similar. That, to me, is a lot more likely than the other way of it. Looks like this. Uh, his former agency is asking for too much. The Giants aren't budging. And Dan was like, ah, well, let's go on to another agency that's a little nicer that maybe has a better relationship with the Giants or would take, but it's possible. You don't know which side, like we don't have that information. So we really don't know. But I just would imagine it's more likely that he's going over to this new agency because that agency could potentially work on a mega deal that has already has some framework. Again, that Dak Prescott deal that if he does work with Todd France, we don't know that for sure. He could be rep by another agent at Athletes First, but it might be Todd France. And that guy has worked on and successfully succeeded in I should say getting Dak Prescott a mega contract because Dak Prescott at 40 million right now is a contract that some Cowboys fans from that I've spoken to. Even the smarter ones have been like, we don't really love where we're at right now, but that contract right now, there's a lot of guaranteed money. A lot of that's been pushed back because if the giants do sign Daniel Jones to a deal similar to the one Dak Prescott signed, Nick, I think it's very likely they structure it similarly to Prescott. It probably won't be as drastic because the Cowboys weren't such a bad cap situation recently that they had to push back all these contracts. The giants are going to be in a bit of a healthier cap situation, mostly because they don't have as many stars signed already to the, to the, uh, to the roster. And even like, if you look at Andrew Thomas and Dex Lawrence and all these big contracts coming, there's not as many players who are going to have big contracts. So I would imagine most of that Dak Prescott contract. And I'd have to look at this. I should have looked at the sport of the show, but I'd imagine a lot of that has been pushed back, but the giants will look to do the same, right? Like they're going, once you sign the quarterback and you commit to him, you're basically saying I'm in a window where we have to win with this quarterback. So I need to get him talent around him. The only way to get him talent around him, once he's taking up 40 million of your cap space is to push that contract back and, and eat it later. Right. And maybe you have to make those, those tough cuts later on year three, year four, year five with Daniel Jones. Um, or in this case, Dak Prescott for the Cowboys. But right now, you give yourself the best chance to win. So I'm not sure to answer your question on that, but I would imagine that it's the other way around.
2: I lean in that direction too, but I just kind of want to put that out there as well. If we're just talking right
1: now, like, look, Daniel Jones, $45 million a year, like, who feels comfortable with that? Um. Well, look, so who feels comfortable? That's a good question. So I think one of the things with this, Nick, is, and it's a tough conversation to have, but one of the things with this is, you have to like we all look at it like, okay, Daniel Jones has this body of work. There's an injury history there. There's three years of 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 middling to bad play. Now, two of those years are Jason Garrett years, so we can a lot of people want to wipe them clean, and I'm okay with that. The first year is the big one for me. I think it's very over. Um, Overestimated by Giants fans. They all consider it to be a good year. Jones, in my opinion, was not good as a rookie. He was good compared to most rookies because most rookies struggle. I guess he was good. But if you look at the EPA, the CPOA, the games against the actual good defenses they faced that year, he was horrible in those games. He was terrible against the Minnesota defense. He was terrible against a lot of the good defenses. He beat up on a bad Jets D. He beat up on a quitting Washington D. And that's where most of the stats came from, even the touchdowns. So the yardage wasn't good overall. The yards per attempt wasn't good. So he really was only good in this year, in my opinion, especially on film, I think, in 2022. Right? Like, if you look think of the 2019 Jones, Nick, he still was horrible from a pocket awareness standpoint. Right? Horrible from a pocket manipulation standpoint. Fumbling at stupid times. Throwing interceptions at stupid times. The 2022 on film version of Jones was the big jump. So you may look at it like that and be like, then why can this guy get $45 million a year? Right. And then you could even say, like, he didn't even have that good of a year in 2022. Some people are saying, right, because he only had the 15 touchdowns, didn't really throw from any passing yards. Everything was one to 20 yards. Nothing was attempted outside the numbers or deep down the field. But I think. The whole point of this is why would he be seeking this money, right? And why is it realistic to then have us get to a point where we're talking about some finding a, you know, an in-between of 38 and 45 million, which is eventually where I think it will land. Because when you're negotiating these contracts, it really has nothing to do with what you did in the past. It's just a pure projection. So at this point, the Giants are making a pure projection play on a guy who's 25 years old, six foot five, can make all the throws can run, has proven that he's getting a lot better with the pocket presence and a pocket manipulation standpoint. And he's starting to make plays off script, which he never did with his arm. He used to be able to do it with his legs. He's now doing it with his legs and his arm. So it's all just projection based, in my opinion. And that's why it's like you can't ask Jones to sign a contract for five years, 30 million per year, let's say, or 32 million per year with the franchise tag numbers, because the projection is, and his case, his side is arguing, we're going to get a lot better to the point where I am going to be worth that $45 million a year and maybe more. And then we're going to be underpaid. So that's kind of it's all projection based, I think.
2: It is all projection based. But man, I feel like that's just a pregarious game to play. And I understand that Mm -hmm. Jones struck while the iron was hot. And he has, he has leverage with this, right? Because they're coming off of first year in Brian Dable's system, right? And he played very well. They won a playoff game for the first time since the Giants won the freaking Super Bowl. And all that is all well and good. But you start tying up your cap space in a quarterback that isn't, isn't a surefire top 10 quarterback, yet he's going to be getting paid in that area. You're going to restrict yourself in the future. And then obviously, everyone is aware of that. Everyone knows that. And I'm just not certain. I would much rather have a situation where we bring Daniel Jones back on a, a short-term deal or a franchise tag even or something like that. It's just, I understand that that might not be the case because there's going to be a market for Daniel Jones if the Giants do not bring him back. There's going to be other teams that will be interested in him. You have Derek Carr, you have Aaron Rodgers who are going to be like the big free agent dominoes. Daniel Jones is going to be in that conversation. Daniel Jones is significantly younger than those players. And that's one of the reasons why we're hearing these numbers of 45 million. And that's not lost on me or anything like that. But I do believe if the Giants come out and we hear that they sign a five year deal with around $45 million or $43 million per year, uh, I'd be lying if I said, Dan, that I feel comfortable with that and that I am elated with that type of contract just because there is a ton of uncertainty that would surround it.
1: Yeah. And we'll talk more about the specifics of what we want them to do when we do the Daniel Jones pro and con podcast. But everything you said, I think makes a lot of sense, Nick. And I think everything that you said makes it more comfortable for any fan or it should make it more comfortable for any fan to sign him to a shorter term deal or to structure the contract in a way that originally people were discussing with like year three out or something similar to the Derek Carr contract and how that was structured with the Raiders but having said that, I think that was more of a possibility like earlier in the season, you know, midseason, mm-hmm. week nine, week 10. Now it feels like the page has turned on that. And the Giants are really gearing up to make this commitment to Jones because, look, a lot of this will come down to the structure of the contract, right? Like there are different, stru- differently structured contracts. For example, I mentioned the Dak Prescott deal earlier. That's around $40 million AAV. The Kyler Murray deal, which is around $45 million AAV was a lot of guaranteed money and the Deshaun Watson I think was fully guaranteed. So a lot of this does also come down to the guaranteed money when it when you when you're looking at this type of thing because if Jones's contract is 200 million for 5 years but 80% of that is guaranteed versus Jojan's contract at 5 years for 200 million but 40% is guaranteed or 30% is guaranteed, that's a whole different contract at that point because the biggest concern to me with Daniel Jones is he doesn't meet the projection potentially. He gets older in the system. He gets hurt again. He's a running quarterback. And now we're in year four and year five, and there's no way out. Because I want to go over this Dak Prescott contract w- real quick with you. I was, I was Googling it while you were talking. because mm-hmm. It's so interesting the way they set this up. And, and it just kind of gives you an idea, I should say, of what the future could be. Because I don't think the Giants are going to set this thing up similar to the Dak contract. Because that would be, in my opinion, very risky to do. Because <laughs> they really backloaded the F out of this thing and they have two void years in this which are which are not good for like uh, salary cap purposes they're not not good it's it's a way around the system the eagles have been using the void years the best team yeah. used the void years but it's like risky as hell but here's how they structured this contract signed in 2021 17.2 million was the first year cap number and remember we're talking about a 40 million dollar aav so you know if you're only allocating 17.2 in the year one like That's now you have 23 million to make up at some point. Right. And then 19.7 in 2022 this year. So now you're adding another 21. So now you're at like 44 million to make up at some point (laughs) over the 40. Right. Because they have to you have to spread that out over 40. Right. And they did that, the Cowboys, because and that was 8.2 percent and 8.9 percent of their total cap. These past two years, 2021, 2022, and they did that because they were already kind of over the cap because of all their deals. And then they had to trade Mari Cooper and they had to get rid of Lell Collins. So things got worse and worse from that standpoint. So now in 2023, his cap number is 49.1 million, Dak, and that's 21.5% of their total cap. And then it's going to jump to 52.1 million in 2024. That's 20.4% of their total cap. The dead money next year is 90 million left. That's n- they have no way to cap the, to cut him next year. The year after that, in 2024, they could cut him and save 12 million if things go really bad with Dak. But then they would take on a 39.9 million dead cap hit. So obviously, they're not going to be able to do that either. There is an out in 2025. That's one of the void years where they can cut him and then take zero and have zero. Um, no, there's not a void year. I'm sorry. I said that wrong. Looks like that year has $21.181 million cap hit for 2025. And that's fully guaranteed, essentially, in the sense that they push all the guarantees back. So they would save $0, the Cowboys, if they cut him in 2025. So this is kind of just an idea. I brought that contract up, Nick, just to give you an idea of what could happen if the Giants do go forward with a five-year deal for Jones that backloads a lot of it.
2: And I get that, right? But if the Giants were to do that, man, you're talking about... You're talking about a risk and that is such well, an un- right, yeah. understatement because Jones, look, Jones took strides and it's plausible that he can continue to do that. He's a young quarterback, physical speed, all that stuff, right? But we're still talking about a quarterback right now who, if he didn't like his first read, it was use your legs. It was run the big right. app. That's going to expose you to more injuries. We didn't necessarily see, okay, let me say this first. I think he did do a solid job throughout the year going through progressions at certain times but if we were to take the totality of the season dan and we're going to talk a lot more about this in the pros and cons episode later in the week, if we take the totality of the season. There wasn't that many times where this guy was standing in the pocket and throwing to the field side, outside the numbers that could be on verticals. That could be on number two, seven routes. Sure. There wasn't even that many times when he was doing that to the boundary side, all that off, right. right? He wasn't attacking outside the numbers. He wasn't really stretching the field. His yards per attempt was still only 6.8 yards per attempt. And I'm not sitting here saying that that cannot improve. But if you are exploring a five-year deal worth $45 million a year, as some of these reports are are indicating, man. Or let's just say like
1: 41, 42, because I think eventually. 41, 42,
2: sure. Yeah. But if he doesn't consistently feel that out and start employing that into his his arsenal, man, like you're handicapped. And God forbid he takes a hit, right? Like using those legs because right. he rushed for over 700 yards this year, and he was able to stay healthy. But every he other really year, really do a he great job
1: protecting himself, in my opinion, on those runs.
2: He's never he never really He's has, got lucky. Right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: And again, I don't think I need to preface this, but if you follow the Big Blue Banter podcast, we have spoken highly of Daniel Jones's development throughout 2022. I like Daniel Jones. This all comes down to economics, right? And and I always bring this up, but when you're going to reset the market with the tackle and the defensive lineman in Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence, and you have that much money allocated towards Daniel Jones, even with the cap expanding like around 20 million every year, because that's what it goes up. It it, it could get really ugly for the giants later on. And that's kind of where I'm at right now, but I also understand what's the better option. And that's something else I think we'll break down pretty extensively
1: on the next podcast. And that's part of the discussion too, because I brought up those contract numbers with Dak to show that, well, the way the Giants are going to ultimately structure this Daniel Jones deal, if they do go forward with the five-year deal rather than what you suggested earlier, which I actually you know, I don't want to tip my hat completely, but uh, so I won't even say if I got to agree with it or not. But the franchise tag and the prove it is that if you're going this five-year route and you're backloading, which they will, if they sign the five-year deal, there's no shot they're not backloading. They're going to have to because they need to then put the talent around him or try to put the talent around him to see if this is for real. So if they do that, we're talking about by year three of this contract he's going to make up 21 or 20 between 20 and 25% of their entire salary cap by year three of this contract with that backloaded guaranteed money. When you're putting 20 or 25% of that contract into somebody who's taking a lot of hits, rushing for 700 plus yards, getting hit a lot, not protecting himself while running. That's, that's a very big risk, obviously. And, but again, that's like the same with Josh Allen at this point too.
2: And also three years into that contract, if that does happen, of course, that's when Andrew Thomas's deal is going to kick in. That's when Dexter sure. Lawrence, Xavier McKinney, all of these other names, like yeah, it's can't just backload like, them all. <laughs> exactly. You can't backload them all. And it's not as easy to just be like, hey, I like Daniel Jones. We have to get this done no matter what. Like, that's mm-hmm. just not how this works, right? Because yeah. I like Daniel Jones. And I see a, a, a the potential for a good quarterback in Daniel Jones. But to sit here and act as if we have seen that on a consistent level right now, I, I feel like is very disingenuous.
1: It is because one of the things that you have to do as a quarterback is to be able to consistently stretch the field vertically and horizontally as you just broke down earlier. And you have to be able to consistently throw the football, right? He still hasn't proven that he can consistently pass the football on a 17 game basis. No matter what anyone says, the yardage speaks for itself. The yards per attempt speaks for itself. And the way that these yards are coming by speak for itself. As you mentioned, not a lot to the field side, not a lot outside the numbers, not a lot down the field. Everyone says he has a great deep ball, but we don't see it all that often. So what does that really mean? And the other side of this is what you broke uh, broke down earlier. I think to also be able to consistently win in the NFL, at the quarterback position. And this goes hand in hand with what I just said, but you need to be able to go through the full read and go through the full progression on every, on a more consistent basis, because that will allow you to then throw outside the numbers that will allow you to then throw down the field and use the entire width and length of the field. And he, the, the, the data we have on Daniel Jones is rookie season, half field, high low system. That's not going through his progressions, just reading half the field. Next two seasons, they tried to put him in a system that would make him read the whole field. He was terrible in Jason Garrett's system. That's not his fault entirely. It's Jason Garrett's fault, too. It's offensive line's fault. It's the GM's fault for putting the talent around him. But he was not good in a full read progression system. Year four, Brian Dable, like you said earlier, not really. There were some examples of him doing it. But for the most part, the system this year was read one run, read, run, run, read, one, run, run. And that's where the majority of his, so again, he's not really proving or hasn't really proved yet, which leads to the projection. You have to project that eventually he can become a guy who uses the full length and width of the field with better receivers, better offensive line. You have to project that he can become a guy that can go through the full reads, but that's a big projection to make, especially on the mental side of it, the second part of it, which does lead then to the passing yards because we're projecting it in the sense that what we're projecting that maybe a more familiarity with the current system helps him or to the receivers line part i really believe the first part is way more important than the receivers line part i don't know how much of that receiver's line part really definitely leads to better mental progression by a quarterback
2: every guy knows the importance of full length and full width (laughs) something (laughs) something else that like i don't want to dive too deep into the notes for the next podcast but anticipate anticipation too man We we haven't really seen that at a consistent level, and I'll leave it at that. Look, we can go through plays and stuff like that on the podcast we'll do later in the week. And I'm not trying to make this into look. Daniel Jones is not the guy, but it's not that right. It all comes down to the money. It all comes down to how you're going to allocate your funds and the future players that are currently on your roster that you're going to want to retain. You got to think forward here. We know Joe Shane is a forward-thinking, or at least we think Joe Shane is a forward-thinking general manager, right? So
1: we'll
2: have to wait and see. I think this is going to be a very interesting deliberation between the two sides. I think the fact that Daniel Jones switched representation is also an interesting factor to this, but I mean reports floating around right now, look, they're just reports. I think that's something else that we should uh, really clarify. I think you did at the top of the show, but that's a, that's a pretty penny. That's a pretty penny for Daniel Jones.
1: Yeah. A few more notes on this before we move on to the Saquon Barkley side of this, because there's some reports now surfacing there. A few more notes on this. The franchise tag number has been released for this season. Uh, It will be 32.41 million if you want to use it on the quarterback on Daniel Jones and 10.09 million if you want to use it on a running back with Saquon Barkley. Now, one thing I've considered at least has been why not just slap the non-exclusive franchise tag on Daniel Jones, at least to the point where then you can get a better idea of if you're bidding against yourselves or you're not. I know you mentioned at the top of the show that there's going to be a lot of interest in Daniel Jones. I think it's certainly possible, Nick. But I also think at the same time, it's possibly not the case. It's hard to really gauge for me because if you are going to go ahead. So say Daniel Jones comes to the Giants, his new represents, and he says, I want five years, 225 million, which would be about the $45 million a year, 220, whatever it is. Giants say, oh, my God, I don't know. Here's the non-exclusive franchise tag, which means other teams can negotiate with Daniel Jones at that point. Now you get a good feel for if that's actually something feasible for these other teams. Are teams really willing to do five years, $220 million for Daniel Jones? Why do we think that? Well, one reason to think that is because of his age and because of the season he had and the progression he made. And that would be based on Mostly speculation at this point, Nick, because that's us making the decision that we think other NFL teams view him the same way. When in reality, other NFL teams, who knows what point they're at, like name some of the teams that might be interested in Daniel Jones, the Carolina Panthers. Maybe they want to draft a rookie quarterback, the Indianapolis Colts. They want to draft a rookie quarterback instead. Like some of these teams might just want to restart the rookie contract scale at quarterback rather than dump all this cap space into somebody that they don't know.
2: The Jets possibly, but again, a lot of this is going to be predicated on Carr and Aaron Rodgers who right. is on some sort of ayahuasca retreat right now. So we don't exactly know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, but I wanted to read the the description of the non-exclusive franchise. Today, yeah. Right, The non-exclusive franchise tender shall be a one-year NFL player contract for A, the average of the five largest prior year salaries for the players at that position. Players shall be permitted to negotiate a player contract with any club except that draft choice compensi- expects or no, except that draft choice compensation of two first round draft selection shall be made with respect to such player in the event he signs with the other club and the signing period for such player shall be determined under section 15 below, which I don't have section 15 below, but you understand that if the Giants were to slap him with that and then another team were to swoop in, that other team would owe the New York Giants two first round
1: picks, two first which, round
2: picks. which right. basically means no one's going to come in and, and try
1: to get Daniel Jones from the Giants. Potentially. Right. I mean, you could think that. I mean, I think you're right. But yeah, if we're assuming but I think you're right. Right. But if you're if we're assuming that that's the case and I think that's a good assumption to make and a fair assumption to make a team wouldn't give two first round picks Would a team that doesn't know Daniel Jones really go out and give him five years, 220 million. And if the answer to that is no, then you might be bidding against yourselves unless you let him either hit the market or hit the market in that way where you're protected by this case that if someone does surprise you and give him that mega contract, at least you're going to get two first round picks back from Daniel Jones. And that's why I think ultimately at the very least the Giants should slap that non-exclusive franchise tag on Jones And to just further, you know, give them time to negotiate and not only negotiate, but give them time to really have him feel out his market and understand that like, you know, I understand you wanna get this 40 plus million per year based on projection of what you can be. You don't wanna be paid for what you were. You wanna be paid for what you can be. But if no other team is willing to pay you for what you can be and what you think you can be, maybe the number, the the, the realistic number that your team and you can agree on as far as what you can be, the projection based number is lower and it's fair to be lower. And just at this point, the market dictates that you have to take less than Dak Prescott. You have to take less than Kyler Murray. And that's just how it is at this point based on the market. So that's why I'm still intrigued by the idea of slapping that non-exclusive tag on him and having him test the market.
2: The non-exclusive tag, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, is that the one that's 32 million? And then I'm the not ex- sure on the
3: numbers on that.
2: Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm just trying to f- feel out the the quarterback market and, and know exactly what kind of opportunity the Giants right. have at their disposal. Because you know, Lamar Jackson's another domino that has to fall. And nobody exactly right. knows what the hell is going on with him, you know? So it's um it's interesting to say the
1: to say the least couple more things i want to talk about with this before we get into some barkley stuff uh mike lombardi has said that he believes that jones is good but not worth the 40 plus million per year and he thinks this will be a true test to see who's actually running the show john mara or joe shane
2: oh so if the giants do sign jones to 40 plus million then it's john mara still running the show
1: in his opinion yes
2: in his opinion of course yeah yeah i mean i don't I can't really weigh in on that, but it does seem it's a little to
1: speculate on though. Like I have long wondered, Nick, with regards to these players yeah. and these contract negotiations coming up, will Joe Shane really get to do things? Cause it's tough as a, like, I just feel like there's this immense pressure from the fan base and from ownership of, we just made the playoffs and won a game. We can't possibly go backwards with our roster and I'm not so sure Joe Shane looks at it the same way, right? Like the bills, when he, when he got there with Brandon Bean, they made, did they make the playoffs? They made the playoffs yeah. with Tyrod Taylor and then they yep. blew it all up. Mm-hmm. And that was an ownership that was probably like, it's okay to blow it off. It's a different situation because Tyrod Taylor was older in his career and he wasn't a former top six pick like Daniel Jones was. He's not six, five, and he can't really, I think he can make all the throws, but he has I guess worse decision making. He throws more interceptions reported. I, I still, I think all the Taylor stuff with the giants is all just bullshit. Yeah, be any giants fan who tells you anything about what Tyrod Taylor is or can be with the giants is just talking nonsense. Cause he's never actually played with the giants under the system with Brian Dable. And in my opinion, you cannot have any clue what he would be in the system. But having said that, it was a different scenario, I think, with Taylor. He's not the same build as Jones. All, all the factors that make me want to keep Jones, I wouldn't feel the same way about Taylor when the Bills kind of you know, went away from that and rebuilt and blew it up. But having said that, it's something to consider because the Bills did go that route. And I, I I think there's not validity to it, but it's at least worth considering because this wouldn't be the first time we've seen John Mara and 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 fan pressure, in my opinion, ownership and fan pressure play a role in the decision making.
2: I'm not hundred percent certain what insight we can glean from this, but yeah, we 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 brought this up at after Joe Shane and Brian Dables press conference. It was a little odd, right? That Joe Shane was pretty open at, about the fact that he wanted Daniel Jones back. Just a little odd. like I understand like I, I was expecting, I guess coach speak gm speak yeah he did everything right blah, 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 all the cliches and stuff like that but he was pretty adamant like oh yeah he's going to be our quarterback of the future and like brian dable even looked at him like excuse me you know what i mean yeah, like I just felt like it was way. a little yeah. bit odd. yeah I thought right it was odd. yeah
1: like don't give away the leverage of it yeah it was odd for sure I would, I would expect him to keep keep it more closely guarded to the vest but maybe he wanted to make a statement there like we believe in jones and you know i i feel like they do they are committed to bringing back jones i don't really see a scenario where he's not going to be the giants quarterback at this point um and we'll talk about reasons for why 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 that you know reasons for that on the next pod but it was interesting that if you are committed to bringing back jones why say it out loud right like why why not keep it to the closer to the vest i don't know a couple more things on this uh on the jones side of this mike tannenbaum who used to be a general manager said if i had to put my money on it i think he's going to get franchise tagged He said, I'm sure the Giants are going to look at this thing when it's all said and done and say, hey, he's done it for a year. He played really well. We're happy with him, but we'll franchise him. We'll get through the season, then go from there.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's something we'll discuss on the next podcast. But to me, that's not going to tip my hand. But if you're watching on YouTube.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's an interesting one, too, because it's just a matter of like, can you can you. Can you squeeze that through at this point? Can you I'll say you this, get It's little, Jones to be happy with that?
2: Well, it's not even just the happy. It's just that that's also a lot of money in the immediate, right? And what does that do for yeah. how you can rebuild the roster? Are they even seriously entertaining free agency? There's a lot that kind of goes into
1: it. Sure. It does impact what you can do this year from a cap flexibility standpoint. Because remember with these contracts, as we talk about them through, and this is just a general reminder, I think a good thing to take away from the NFL salary cap. You sign someone to a five-year, $200 million deal, like it could be for Daniel Jones, and I talked about earlier with the Dak Prescott contract, how so much of that was backloaded, versus the one-year franchise tag. You can't mess with that one-year number. That's locked in against your cap, that $32 million. But you can mess around with that $200 million number because the cap is fluid. It's not every year. It doesn't reset. You can dip. You can p- pick into the future take 25 million out of that, bring it over here and then be 25 million cheaper and have 25 million less to use in the future or go the other way with it. And people do roll over cap space, some teams. So just keep that in mind when it comes to the franchise tag number, it will limit their ability to be flexible with the cap for the entirety of the 2023 season. Say the Giants make another playoff run. Well, they can't sign a Linville, Joseph, or Ndamukong Su to help D-line depth. It's going to be, and that's not, Definitely, because they they will go into this offseason with some cap space. But that kind of leads to my next part of this, Nick, which is they're going to go into this offseason, according to over the cap with forty four point four million dollars in cap space, which is actually the fifth most cap space in the entire NFL. But if you do a franchise tag for thirty two point four million, well, now you have what you have, 12 million of that left to spend.
2: Yeah, exactly. You'll have $12 of that left to spend. The Giants are going to free up some cap space, likely by restructuring or doing something with Leonard Williams. And then you have the Kenny Galladay situation. So there should be a little bit more cap space. But still, what are you doing with Saquon Barkley, too? Is another question that needs to be answered.
1: Plus, you have to always keep like 6 million, I think, for your draft class, plus those signings. So you really have like six. And then you can kind of see if you can restructure that Leonard deal, which a restructure... I'm not. I don't know what to do about that. I would don't want to kick more that can even further down the road. They're ready in this point because they did restructure Leonard. Um, we'll see what happens with that though, because they don't have many other ways of getting flexible. That's the problem with the current with the current financial situation. It seems good on the surface. They have the fifth most cap space. But they have so many players to sign and so few to restructure at this point. So we'll see what happens there. The Giants will have until March seventh. To potentially slap the franchise tag on either Jones or Barkley, March seventh. Today is February twenty-first, so they still have a little bit of time to figure out if they want to do that. Okay, let's get to the next topic here, which is report that um, coming today, I believe, out of the New York Post. That, uh, but don't quote me on that because I have a few things mixed mixed around in here. But Saquon Barkley is reportedly set to hit free agency. As contract talks have died down, though, according to Jeff Darlington, who doesn't cover the Giants, but apparently has a source close to the Giants, the Giants are still locked in on signing both Barkley and Jones to five year deals. So two interesting notes of here. One, first time I've heard of a potential five year deal floated for Saquon Barkley two, another report that suggests he's going to hit the open market. So I think they can work together hand in hand. Nick, you can tell me if you disagree, but I think you can have the idea in mind that you're still playing this time Barkley for five years, but also say in your mind that I'll let him hit the open market. I don't see too many teams that are going to be jumping in to, to, to you know hand out all this cap space to a running back. Yeah,
2: I'm right there with you. I don't really know of teams that would love to do that. Like you would think maybe the Houston Texans would have been that team, but do you really want to just replace what Damian Pierce did? Right. You can allocate that those funds to your defense. That is a sieve at this point. So we're I'm offensive okay with, line, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're offensive line. Especially if the Giants are comfortable giving them like 12 and a half. Because how Any many other teams team that
1: want to sign a running back should just think, should we just use that money on offensive line instead?
2: <laughs> it's just uh like maybe there's a like I'm trying to think of like teams that are competing. Like there's a lot of you know yes. big contracts already on their on their roster do they right. do they want to give 12 and a half million especially when you look at the chiefs and i know they're a little bit different cuz they have patrick mahomes but they just won the super bowl off the back of obviously patrick mahomes and travis Kelsey, but isaiah pacheco who was what a seventh round pick in right. this last draft so barkley could go on the free agent market dan and be like oh there's not that much interest in me maybe i'll just go back to new york
1: for that 12 12 and a half or whatever right. and
2: then both sides will end up being happy at that point
1: Exactly. And I think that's what these two reports are kind of telling me from the Barkley situation. And that would be good news for the Giants, sort of. I mean, look, I'm not really for (laughs) allocating any money to a running back in a second deal. But if it comes to the point where he comes back to the team and accepts their original number, at least you're getting the value from him signing for less. And you just hope that he doesn't get injured or something. I don't know. You hope he's an outlier, which... It's possible. It is possible for you to just get a, some value out of a second running back contract. It's not impossible. It's just that it's improbable. That's where I'm at with it. i nothing is impossible in this world. You're just basing things on probabilities. Um, and so, you know, it's improbable that that contract would be a good one for the Giants. But you know, it would be good in the short term. Hopefully, at least at the very least, you can hope that it's good for 2023 at minimum. Um, so yeah, let's look ahead and let's wrap this thing up by talking about an, a report today. This was an interesting one, I thought. This report was Fowler, I believe, yeah, Ryan Fowler, who said that Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker has met extensively with four teams during the, or five teams during the pre-draft process, the Cowboys, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Saints, and the Giants. He also, and there's also an update that Joe Shane was seen at the Bama-Tennessee game and scouting hooker for multiple games he's also seen shaking hands with hooker at the bama tennessee game and then i also got an interesting once i tweeted about this or when i was talking about this i got an interesting update from a listener who said that he remembers reading an interview with gabe davis who said that when he was drafted by the bills brian Dable asked him a lot of in-depth questions about josh heupel's offensive system that's heupel who used to coach gabe davis then he moved over to tennessee and said that he then incorporated some of those past concepts into Buffalo's system there, which I'm sure he's then translated and taken over to the Giants system. So that intrigues me from that standpoint, right? Um, so now we're talking about a player who the giants met with extensively already and comes from a system that they like, and that they're pulling offensive concepts from um, that leads me interest in not just Hendon hooker, who is, recovering from a torn ACL and therefore his draft stock could be cheaper and it can make him more of a value play, but also Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver who could also then potentially be in play for the Giants. What are your thoughts on all of this?
2: And Cedric Tillman, who was also yes. a Tennessee wide receiver, but was spent a lot of last year with a high ankle sprain, but he's a bigger body wide receiver. And in this draft class, if you look at a lot of the wide receivers, a lot of guys who were sub six foot, like 180 pounds and stuff. So a player like Cedric Tillman is somebody you could possibly get on day two that could really pay off for you and i went through his film and jalen hyatt's film recently so i watched a decent amount of hendon hooker now i didn't evaluate hendon hooker i wasn't going to like the end zone copy and really trying to get into the whole concept that was more so paying attention to the wide receivers but they're interesting man and hendon hooker is interesting too man a rhythmic passer i would say i really love his delivery i just think it's over the top it just comes out really really well he's athletic he's big he's strong he seems really smart helping the the offense with protections and things like that pointing stuff out pre snap he he played in a a non conventional type of offense it's just really really spread like they would have like stacks like five yards outside the numbers basically Jalen Hyatt's like two yards away from the from the sideline like things that you don't necessarily see too much in the NFL but I came away at least I would say it definitely piqued my interest when I when I saw these reports because he's somebody that you might not have to get at pick twenty five. Right. You'd have to get him a little bit later because he's a little bit older and he's also coming off that torn ACL, but he could possibly be somebody who, at least from the film that I watched, could transition to be an NFL quarterback and be an above average one. And I, like I said, I didn't evaluate his film, but from what I saw from Hyatt's tape and Tillman's tape, I appreciated the ball placement. How he was throwing guys open, throwing with some anticipation, things of that nature. How he was looking guys off, going through a little bit of progressions. I mean, it's not like they were in a full progression read type of offense all the time, and there were a lot of guys who were schemed open because Heupel's offense has that kind of knack to do so. And Hyatt's also just like creating like seven yards of separation all the time because the guy is just like a Tyree kill out there essentially. So, I um I saw that report though, and I said okay. Hendon Hooker is a name that uh, maybe I'll go back to Tennessee's film and, and look closer into that quarterback because he's he's one that, uh, look, when you uh, beat Alabama, it, it can go a long way. And if, in terms of Jalen Hyatt, I don't know if you saw that game because I watched that game. He had five touchdowns in yep. that game. And that's when Hendon Hooker's like, name was just seared onto the map, even though he had a good 2021 campaign as a starting quarterback from Tennessee. I think he transferred from Virginia or Virginia Tech,
1: if I'm not mistaken. Jack, I'm going to go think, look at it yeah. right now. And that's why he's 25 years old. So he's an older prospect coming off a torn ACL. You can maybe even get him in round three, which would be interesting. He's hanging around there, round three. Maybe the Giants then snap that up. Potentially, he'll be a prospect that I now uh, watch extensively and and do one of my draft profiles for CBS Sports on because I want because now that he has a connection to the Giants, I try to manipulate that so I can get all the players that are connected to the Giants uh, in one way or another and give Dave Richard, my 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 colleague who also writes these draft profiles, up the players who the Giants might not be interested in. Um, but obviously, it's fantasy. So we do a lot of quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends. So Giants aren't always interested in those positions. But all that really intrigued me about Hooker. I've only really seen broadcast stuff from him watching Tennessee this year, but I definitely was intrigued by his skill set for sure. Joe Shane was there that day for the Alabama game. So he saw Hendon, Hendon Hooker at his absolute best. But in addition to that, as you mentioned, There's another player who might be just as intriguing to the Giants, Jalen Hyatt, their wide receiver, who you said had a five-touchdown game. I watched that game recently, his game specifically, just the cut-up of him. And one thing I noticed from that game, and I'm sure it's littered throughout their tape, is they also did a lot of like some of the things we saw at the end of the season with the Giants passing game, like the stack releases at the line of scrimmage from these receivers. Um, And so... You know, that might be you look at some of the concepts we talked about earlier. Gabe Davis asking Brian Dable, Brian Dable talking to him, taking stuff from Hypo. Maybe you can look at Hyatt as someone who can kind of jump right in. And you know he's going to add the explosive element to the Giants offense they don't have. You know he's going to add the raw speed element to the Giants offense they don't have. And I'm curious to see if that will make him further up their draft board. than maybe then maybe he would be in another system.
2: Yeah, he's was almost a... exclusively a slot in college, which is one was like, I guess you could say just it's a drawback. Can he play outside? Mm -hmm. Right? Like I I felt like when he was pressed, he, he kind of the rhythm of his release and his release package just in general was thrown off. Mm -hmm. But if you miss your press against this guy, he's gone. Like the acceleration, the explosiveness, it's it's elite level type of athletic traits that Jalen Hyatt has. Yeah. He's a one year wonder. And I would say he's not that kind of guy who's going to climb the ladder and just, you know, rip off contested catches, things like that he didn't necessarily have to at Tennessee because he was just winning with separation and and athletic ability. It's not going to be as consistent in the NFL, but this league is predicated on creating explosive plays. And Jalen Hyatt is a player who can create explosive plays. I don't even know if he'll be there at 25. And I don't even think he's going to be like a top three receiver of mine. I still got Jordan Addison. I still got so many receivers I need to watch. I don't think he's a complete player, but he has the trump card that you need to kind of be like, look, I might not be great at everything else, but What I do better than everyone else is so significant to winning football games that I'm going to be selected probably
1: somewhere in the 20s. Exactly. And we've seen it happen over and over and over again with wide receivers drafted early if they run, if they test really well with a 40 yard dash. And that could be the next guy, you know? It could be the next 40 yard dash burner that moves up into a guaranteed spot in round one, because like you said, it's just a matter of supply and demand. A lot of NFL teams don't have wide receivers with raw speed like that. And that could impact so much of what you do from a schematic standpoint, in my opinion. Uh, of course, that would require him becoming a wide receiver who can win consistently on the outside and not just from the slot. Otherwise, that will limit you in 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 many ways. But just an interesting pair of prospects to consider, considering the Giants have already showed extensive interest in both of them. That's Hendon Hooker, the quarterback out of Tennessee, and Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. All right. That's all the time we have for today on the Big Blue Bender podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in,